You're listening to the Bulldog Hour, getting you inside the Wilson football program with weekly game previews, recaps, highlights, and interviews. Now, here are your hosts, Joe Mays and Justin Raffoff. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the ninth episode of the Bulldog Hour's third season. I am one of your hosts, Joe Mays, and sitting next to me, my co-host, Justin Raffoff. Yeah, it's uh, crazy to think about that we have done nine shows, well, and shortly we will have done nine shows um, in this season alone. It's equally as crazy as the fact that we are done with the regular season. Yeah. Like, that's nuts. Essentially, what is it like? So, 13 weeks over because it's 10 games. I feel like we were just recapping the end of non-league schedule and into, like, the regular season. Like, I feel like – or the league season. I feel like that's where we were. Like, October was like a blur. The seven seven league games went by in a hurry for sure. But here we are back-to-back weeks for the first time this year talking about the Wilson High School football team and how they fared in the 2017 regular season the – Finale was just this past Friday. Wilson hosted the Conestoga Valley Buckskins on senior night, and they had a pretty good time with it. I think they may have set a record for points scored in the first half, and they got out of it, I think, pretty much unscathed in terms of injuries, which is good because there will be a second season in West Lawn. Yeah, I was going to say, as we're introing kind of the episode here, and we keep referring to the regular season, that's a good indicator that uh, there is b- more than that because if it's, if there isn't, then it just becomes the season. So. Yeah, and then we would just be like, this is it. Yeah. yeah. But no, we were, we're guaranteed we're, at least one more show. Right, and that, that's awesome. And I um, hope it's like three more shows. Yeah, I hope, <laughs> that yeah, would be I hope they keep us... I hope they keep us working for a few more weeks. So, yeah, uh, I would uh, love awesome. the opportunity to be broadcasting into December like last year. I believe oh. the first weekend in December is when we had our final episode. Hey, I, I agree. But as as a theme that we will talk about tonight, we'll start with one more. Let's start with one more show. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Let, you know, let's, let's get another one. So One, one show at a time, yeah. just like the team preaches, the coaches say all the time, one show at, or one game at a time, we're one show at a time. But here we are, episode nine of season three. Uh, you know, November 5th, 2017, that regular season went by quickly, you know, it just feels like it was three months ago and the acclimatization period was starting. We were conducting our player and coach preseason interviews. We previewed the Mifflin game. And next thing you know, here we are talking about Thanksgiving and Uh, district three playoffs. I know. I feel like it was only like, it only feels like maybe a month and a half ago that I was you know, scurrying to get up to the Parkland scrimmage. And, like, next thing I know, you know, it's it's the middle of November, essentially. You know, it's not quite yet, but it will be by the next time we play a game. And it's just kind of crazy. Like you said, it, it, was, it was a lot of fun this year, and hopefully we can have some more fun. For sure. So, the uh, 2017 regular season, Wilson finished 7-3 and three overall, 6-1 and one in the league. If you've been following us, you're probably well aware of that. It's the um, the first time that Wilson hasn't won, I think, nine games or more in the regular season since 2007. No. But their 6-1 league record, while they weren't able to get a 10th straight uh, section title, league title, they were able to finish second in the league. And one of the hotter teams entering the district playoffs, having beaten Hempfield and Conestoga Valley to end the season, 
And because of them taking care of their own business and other teams playing in a brutal conference <laughs> in the, the mid-pen, yeah. a few other teams losing. It's kind of like a perfect storm at the end of the season here. Yeah. Uh, Wilson is mostly healthy, like I said, on a two-game winning streak. And, you know, we'll talk about it more in depth later, but the ability to host a playoff game. They got into the top four in the District 3 6-8 power ratings, coming in at number three, and will host a playoff game this Friday, November 10th at Gursky. And we'll talk all about power ratings, brackets, playoff matchups in just a little bit. But obviously, if you're watching the show, you're probably aware that Wilson's got a playoff home playoff game this Friday. Yeah, so, yeah, we'll, we'll talk more about that. But, um, you know, like you mentioned, we, you know, we had shows early in the season where we were talking about the one and two start. And you were pulling out all kinds of stuff. First time it's happened in a long time. Um, you know, just all that stuff was everywhere and they rebounded quite nicely. Um, and like you said, it, you know, they've had their ups and downs, but I think early in the season, I'm not saying it was us, but the things we were saying, you know, I'm sure were common to the things that were being preached to the team, you know, week in, week out, day in, day out. Um, at practice, you know, about the potential of this team and patience and, you know, staying positive and all, all those things we tried to harp on way back in the beginning of the season. I, I feel like the team, for the most part, was able to do that and ended up in a good spot here at the end, you know, with the potential that, like you said, to keep playing for, well, we'll see, but to keep playing, you know, and that's, that's kind of the key because, you know, you, only, well, I guess now, only six teams get to get to go out with the last game being a win right, from right. here on out. I know there yeah. are some teams that won last week that are done. Are but, done, right. Yeah. Well, once you make the second season into the playoffs, only six teams can finish in December with a win. Right. So, uh, you know, Wilson hasn't ever been one of those teams yet, unfortunately. That's the one that the longtime supporters, you know, um, the old dogs that you can talk to Friday nights, they, they want that state championship, as all um, people do in the Wilson community. Obviously, the coaches and players at the top of that list. And they'll get that opportunity to continue that journey. First up, though, is districts. And we'll talk about that in just a little bit. We want to recap the Conestoga Valley game. Then we'll do playoffs, including a pretty, probably the most in-depth preview we'll do all year. Uh, because it's a team we're not familiar with, haven't played in a while. And, uh, and we're only looking at one game right now. And we're so. only previewing one game. So, uh, But first, let's take care of the business and let you know how you can Get more from us here at the Bulldog Hour. Be sure to follow and interact with us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and follow the show on YouTube to get all of the archived videos that we have done. There also is the email or contact form on the website at bulldoghour.com. And as always, we want to thank our sponsors, uh, May's Sandwich Shop in particular, for their help over the last few years. And then Matt Cruz, Andy Herr, and our anonymous supporters. And if you're interested in supporting the show, there are ways to do that. They're listed at bulldoghour.com. But besides the sponsorship, advertising, the in-kind donations, you know, just spread the word and put us out there. And, uh, you know, like Justin always says, like and share. And if you see us on Friday nights at games, make sure you, you know, stop and say hi. Let us know that you like the show, that you enjoy it. A couple of people have done that and it makes us feel good. We, uh, uh, appreciate everyone's support and uh, it still catches me off guard <laughs> <laughs> people will come up and make a reference to something we said or something we talked about on the show and i kind of look at them and then they always get this panicked look of like wait you're that you're that guy right and i'm like oh yeah no no you're right and i just 
it always catches me off guard. But it, it's a lot of fun. Well, I think what my favorite is from, I think it was the start of the league schedule. I think it was the Warwick game um, with Mr. Failing. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, yeah. He, he, he was like, you got you guys to do the Bulldog Hour. I'm like, yeah, that's us. Yeah, <laughs> it was yeah. like, we know who you are. <laughs> right, exactly. It's one of those where we know who he is, but I, I didn't know that he knew who we were. Yeah, so that's so. Uh, always appreciated, obviously. Uh, the Failing Brothers are um, legends in Wilson football history, yes. so it's nice to know that uh, that they that they've been watching watching, and um, you know we'll have to reach out to them and many of the other people that we've talked about to uh, have a quick interview, like yeah. what we've been doing with the media members. And tonight we actually have three coach interviews to yeah, do. It's the rare one. Yeah, so, so uh, we'll, we'll we'll get to that uh, shortly. To, to be fair, it took some begging on our part to make it three. So. <laughs> well, well, yeah, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Uh, so you're watching Bulldog Hour live, or, or if you're, maybe you're watching or listening via YouTube or iTunes later, but we're going to do another live show in two weeks, Sunday, November 19th. We'll be at, recapping at least one game, hopefully two games, and maybe also saying we're looking forward to a third game. Oh, um, but that is all uh, coming up in the next few weeks. So the next live Bulldog Hour is two weeks from tonight, Sunday, November 19th. Quick look at the schedule, and we are, we're deep in the thick of it. There we are, November 10th. The District 36A quarterfinals are coming up this Friday. And how do we get there? Well, it happened with the regular season finale in Week 10. Friday, November 3rd, Wilson hosted the Conestoga Valley Buckskins, and it really wasn't much of a contest. Uh, the Buckskins no. were not able to prevent Wilson from scoring in any facet. It started early. It continued throughout and, the first quarter, right to the to a halftime, and then uh, Wilson was it was well in hand in the J, second team JVs. Uh, a lot of people got to play Friday night. Yeah, which is good, and that's you know that that's kind of. One that they needed. I, I think I told you walking off the field. I know we've had some lopsided, but it wasn't that way the last few weeks. And so um, I said, I, I kind of had been waiting for, for a game like this. And not that it was, you know, I knew that kind of stuck about it was going to be that. But, like, I just, that's what I wanted. And I was glad that it um, that it worked out that way. So I, I was pleased that uh, they were able to kind of handle business the way that we had hoped they would against uh, kind of stuck about Yeah, for sure. I mean, they they had Wilson had their issues uh, defensively containing the the weapons and the passing offense of Conestoga Valley, but Jose Barbon, yeah, like they, Jose they, Barbon they is a everyone. is a great great talent, and uh, Steed next to him, it's tough when you got two wideouts that good, and um, Twilk, the quarterback has been you know didn't miss much of a beat from the four year starter Grant Stoltzfus leaving. Yeah. Uh, CV's been able to put up points. Now, they've been struggling to stop other teams. That's been their biggest issue. And they weren't able to corral the Bulldogs Friday night. And Wilson actually got on the board first on special teams. And we'll, we'll check that all out with the highlights here shortly. But why don't we go over the stats here before we dive in and take a look at some of the big plays. Uh, first downs, Wilson led that 19-7 to rushing yards. Wow. 327 to minus 18. You, oh, wow. Now, now that accounts sacks, which right. we always want to point out, because Wilson did, I think, have like five sacks or something like that in the game. But Conestoga Valley had very few rushing attempts. I think they may have had 10 or so right yeah. in that area. Well, part of it is they're not going to rush a whole lot to begin with. 
and then you fall behind big early and you're going to rush even less, you know, and uh, that was that was kind of seen. It was pretty evident by the numbers. Conestoga Valley was able to put up 240 passing yards to Wilson's 87. Of course, the Bulldogs didn't have to throw all that much. Total yardage, Wilson at 414, Conestoga Valley at 222, and Wilson's is actually reducted by, I believe, 60 yards because of the errant snaps with yeah. the, the JV unit. Yeah. Um, they lost an average of 20 yards per botched snap. Uh <laughs> So, Wilson was actually closing in on 500 yards of total offense. And we actually saw, now, while they didn't score, the um, backups of JVs were able to move the ball. They weren't just yeah. one and done. You got a bunch of carries. They get they got to spread the ball around, which is good to see. We, yeah. what, we talked about that before the game. Uh, you and I were hoping it would be a situation where some guys get in and get some carries that you know, normally don't get to handle the ball a whole lot. So, that, that was fun to see. Um, you know, some of those seniors. So, it's kind of special because it's senior night. But some of those younger guys, too, um, and, you know, and some guys that – kind of stood out to us uh, making plays on special teams all year. Um, you know, just one of those being like Avanti Lockhart. I feel like every time there's a kickoff tackle, not every time, but like he's been in on, on a lot of kickoff tackles this year, which is, you know, that that shows like hustle, you know, to me. Yeah. To me, that shows hustle. Oh, yeah, that's what special um, teams is. You know, and, uh, you know, you're, you're running back in, in a mix where there's uh, Iggy and Abdul. So, you know. Right. Carries are going to be tough, not just for him, but for those other guys who got carries on Friday night, too. I know Hunter Regal got some carries and, um, you know, some other guys. So it was, it was, it was cool to see, uh, some, some of those other guys get in there and, and get some carries late in the game. Yeah. We'll mention those individually, but all those guys that Justin mentioned, uh, got the rock multiple times and, and did some nice things with it. Uh, one of them, a senior getting a lot of carries, which is always awesome. And then, uh, the, the young guys contributing as well. Wilson actually played five quarterbacks. On yeah. Friday night. It was kind of cool. They were rotating them in instead of like Wilson does, you know, quarterback runs to the sideline, kind of gets the play, runs back in. They were just at one point in the second half, they were just rotating them through. So they were like, instead of running over to get the play, they were just running out. And the next quarterback was running in with the play already. So, you know, one of those things, get a bunch of guys in. It, it was pretty cool. Uh, third downs, Wilson, uh, 50%, four of eight. Conestoga Valley, just one of 11. Yeah, that, yeah, that tells a story. The defense. Was able was, to get off the field this yes, week, which is which is huge, which is huge. I we you know we go back to some of the stats can be misleading a lot of times. The third down one is usually pretty telling, it's pretty especially indicative. especially when you compare it then to the fourth downs. Like if you hold Conestoga to one for eleven on third downs, but you, they go like seven of eight on fourth downs, you know, then you're like, well, what the heck? You yeah, know, what's like, the point? Yeah, so that didn't really help a whole lot. You know, they were able to hold them to two of three on, on fourth down. Right, and so, Wilson so only it. got one of three, but I'm not sure any of them really were that important. Right. Um, and the Bulldogs capitalized in the red zone, five out of six tries. CV was one of two. You know, but we talk about the third downs being so important. 50% is is good. Like, you want to be at, at least 50%. Right. Obviously, we want more, but 50% is fine. One of 11 for CV, not great, and that just shows um, – the Wilson defense didn't have to do a lot on Friday night. Now they gave up a couple couple scores, especially one big one uh, to a very very talented um, rec- uh, college recruit in Jose Barbon. Uh, but Conestoga Valley held the ball just sixteen and a half minutes. Wilson nearly doubled them up, yeah. thirty one and a half. Yeah, pretty pretty uh, dominant performance. No matter kind of how you break it down there, so that's what we like to see. You know, I know. You know, it, it's tough to say kind of before a game because, first of all, it's football. And we, we've all seen enough football to know that that's not how – you can't just assume it's going to work out that way. Um, but we also, you know, 
when you make it high school football, it's even more of a variable. Right. You, know? you got high school kids going out there. So, um, you know, we're, we're just really pleased that for the most part, they were able to go out there and do what was expected of them um, this week. All right. Before we get to the individual stats, let's take a look at the highlights here from the victory over Conestoga Valley. All right. So, Buckskins invading West Lawn Friday, November 3rd, senior night. Great picture opportunities throughout the evening. And that man right there would get us started. Angel Martinez, our player of the game from last right, week. For returning a punt block for a town. Blocks the punt. And, and Andrew Weller sc- scoops it up and scores. Right. Not only did Martinez block it, he actually got in the way of the only defender right. that could make right. the play was, on Weller. So. Yeah. Um, Wilson defense then on the next series, getting the sack, split that one there. I believe Hatley and uh, Chris Price, I think. Might, it might have been Quinn Sprout. Those guys were making a name for themselves all night. Then everyone was fooled on this, it seemed, at least down on the field. I don't know. Did you know Yurig had the ball the whole time? So it's really hard to tell sometimes because <laughs> I'm looking at the small screen that flips out from the camera. But I could tell the with with the pace that Yurig kept running, <laughs> I, I could tell he had the ball, yeah. But I could also tell that no one else knew he had the right. ball. Or none of the guys in white could tell anyway. So Iggy got his first touchdown there. His next one on this play after the Bulldogs forced another three and out and a short punt. That would tie David Gilmore's Reading Central Catholic career touchdown record. So Iggy would be looking to set a new record here this evening. Now, CV wouldn't be outdone. And they would get on the board there, but it was already uh, 21 nothing, I think, at that time. Yeah, it was. Um, so now here, on this run by Iggy, That's... he's going to get another record. Right. And he breaks Nate Romig's Daniel Boone career Berks County rushing yard record. And on the very next play, he gets his third touchdown on the ground of the night. And that breaks... David Gilmore's record of the first quarter. <laughs> yeah, in the first quarter. So Wilson is up, I think, twenty-eight to seven right, right now, and two all-time records <laughs> he has already. And the next play, next scrimmage play, Schwook finds Barbone for an eighty-yard score. They've been right. doing that a lot this year, and it was tough because I mean, yeah, he had he had a step or two, but like it wasn't like it was completely blown. We've seen some of those this year where it was completely blown. You no, know? for sure. No, it's just he's. Bigger and faster. Like, that's all that play really was. Wilson comes back on the next series and say, hey, we can throw it too. Yurig DeRoberson, not once, but twice. The second one for the score. Beautiful passes both times. They were right on the money. Yeah, that's and, a great shot. And uh, Roberson uh, gets the score on senior night. So, Wilson's now up 35-14. to 14. The defense just starts to do their thing. Eddie Ortiz, who is climbing up the uh, program career sack list, gets another one there. And now we get to see a great play action pass from Yurg to Quinn Sprout. Fighting for the extra Fights yards. Fights for the extra Man, yards. Got another six, seven yards there. That was awesome. And Yurg comes back on the very next play, I believe, or a couple plays later. Everyone thinks it's going to Iggy. Abdul wide yeah. open gets into the end zone. Perfect example of teams are going to sell out to stop Iggy. And other guys were able to take advantage of that tonight. So or now Wilson's up 42-14. to 14. Defense swarming. Sprout gets in on another sack. Then we're going to see a big run from Reynoso. And <laughs> Man, Jose Barbone the only one fast. that can catch him is Jose Barbone. Right. He tried his best to stop him, right. but he's eventually and then, taken out. There was a out. moment there where I was like, he might carry him into the end zone. But 
It was a really good try. Now, that drive would stall and Wilson would end up kicking a field goal to go up 45-14. to 14. But another thing there, man, Frankie Cox has really come along this season. Yeah. Uh, you know, has hit his groove. And, you know, that's that's a big addition to the team. Great jump on the snap by senior linebacker Trevor Hatley he for the doing sack that a there. Lot on Friday night. And now we're going to see what will be the last of Mr. Reynoso for the, for the night. On a punt return, he goes 71 yards and for the score, goes. bouncing off a few <laughs> would-be run tacklers. over a few guys at the 45, but that was the only time he got touched. Yep. <laughs> so, and, I mean, uh, that counts, as a, broken, by his counts as a broken tackle, but in reality, emphasize on the breaking because he ran the kid over. <laughs> now we're going to see um, Yurg good, use good his wheels play. here. Yeah, great. It, a lot of time. All day. Nothing open. Yurg, 15-yard gain. People yeah. were, were hyped about that. Yeah. So right before halftime, Wilson took a timeout. David Gilmore from Central Catholic was there, and he actually presented a game ball and congratulated that was awesome. Iggy and I think he actually on the was record. on the field and uh, kind of giving some words of wisdom before the game, too. So it, it, that's a cool thing, you know, especially, you know, there's Barbone returning a, a yeah, pick in the second half. That was like the right. first offensive play of the second half. So it's 52-21 Wilson. It, it's cool to see guys from all over the county because David Gilmore is not a Wilson grad, no. you know, or anything like that. The old but, Reading Central Catholic. Right, exactly. So, but Iggy has reached, he kind of transcends like the school's aspect and he's in the Berks County elite. So, it, it was kind of a cool thing to see. He did mention to me that he didn't think anyone was going to top his single season rushing record because it's over 2,400 yards. That would be really hard to do. I mean, think about that. If you say you play 12 so, games, you'd have to get 200 yards here, and, per game. And I, I, this is unfair because I haven't ever seen him play. But just from the talk of people who know, I feel like seniors being Brandon, carried off Brandon, here. Is it Brandon George at BC? Uh, the the there yeah I, I think you're right. right. I, think. I feel like he could do it, but he won't because they kill everyone. Right. So he's not going to get the chance, you right. know, like or could have the chance, but it's just not something that's going to happen. So Wilson wins fifty two to twenty one on senior night. We got to see some pictures there of the seniors uh, getting carried off by the underclassmen. Uh, a fun tradition that happens every year, and um, you know it was it was. All about Iggy on the evening, uh, and the seniors getting we, to go out. Or, well, right. finish the regular season like this. We kind of throw it around, and I feel like we kind of make light of it sometimes. But sometimes we're being dead serious. But as Iggy goes, this team goes. Like that—that's just the reality of it, right? Well, Iggy had his way with it on Friday night, and the team pretty much had their way with it. And it was nice to see because you know sometimes it can be it can be a little awkward. Um, when you have some of the things set up, like everybody, everyone knew Iggy needed 52 yards. You know right. what I mean? So like, is it going to be forced? Is it going to be, a, well, they were able to kind of in the flow of the game, just feed them early and often. And, and it really worked out well. It was interesting because the first time Wilson got, well, it looked like they were going to get the ball. They blocked the punt and get it there. And then CB's punting into the wind. So we get the ball and it's a short field, you know, so like he needed 52 yards and the first couple of times Wilson scores, they didn't even really have the chance to get him those yards. So, it was just interesting, but the team was able to go out and take care of business. And it was it was a lot of fun on Friday night. Um, like you said, a lot of seniors got a lot of playing time um, because, you know, of the situation. And, you know, some of them are just in that spot usually. So, it, it all around was, was pretty good. So, um, what we like to see. Absolutely. So, individual statistics, senior quarterback Connor Yurg 
Six of eight. He's been very efficient all yes. year, very accurate. Only at 87 yards, but two touchdowns. Yeah, but we it, saw it's kind nice of nice passes to right, Roberson. Right. And, and it's definitely a sense of what was needed. You know, like they did not need him to pass the ball. No, you know? they did not. A couple times they did it to just kind of keep, make sure everybody's not just like, forget nine in the box or eight in the box. They're, they're you know, make sure they're not putting 11 in the box, right. you know. And like, it's nice to have that veteran quarterback, lots yeah. of experience, nice mobility, very good, probably underrated arm and, and pocket ability. It's not so much that they, like, if Iggy gets stopped, that Yuri can't do it. It's all about the protection. Because if he's given time, right. he's accurate. Right. And and that's kind of the key. <laughs> I mean, with I mean it too, that's because, kind of true probably right. for any quarterback. If, if they're but, not able to let Iggy run, then they're probably having trouble pass protection. Right. Too, yeah. Right. Like, yeah, I mean, they go hand in hand. So, yeah. So we, we say as Iggy goes, but. And this is sounds even more cliche. As, Go ahead, say as it. the offensive line goes. The yeah, game, that's right. You know, the game is won in the trenches. In the trenches. Yeah. So, so um, Yurig actually had the three rushes for fifty-four yards. He had the we saw show saw two of them in the highlights. One early in the game that kind of fooled everyone, and then another scramble later. Um, but uh, his uh, backfield made Iggy Reynoso fourteen carries for one hundred seventy sorry one hundred and seventy seven yards rushing and three touchdowns, and he had that seventy one yard punt return touchdown. Uh, Justin mentioned sophomore Avante Lockhart actually was second on the team in rushing with eight carries for seventy five yards, and that was with limited limited uh, right. appearances. I think it was pretty much like a series. They just handed it to him a bunch of times. Maybe it. I it think it was two. Too. I think it was two. Yeah, but like. You know, he had a nice big, I right. think, 33-yard run that yeah. we saw in the highlights as well. Senior Hunter Regal carried nine times for 51 yards. We saw a couple of fun. those in the highlights. Yeah. He had one where he ran over a guy and another where the team pushed him like another almost yeah. 10 yards yeah. down the field, which was great. Roberson, two catches, 63 yards and the score. a drive. <laughs> right, yeah, one one drive for him, but he got in the stat book for that. McFoy had three for 10 and one receipt, one touchdown receiving. Defensively. Again, not on the field a lot. They got they got beat a couple times, but all in all, a very good effort from the defense. Troy, freshman Troy Corson had four tackles. Senior Chris Price, three and a half tackles. One and a half of those for a loss, a half of them being a sack. Senior linebacker Trevor Hatley had three tackles, one and a half for a loss on one and a half sacks, and two pass breakups. And Eddie Ortiz, as I mentioned, two tackles, one and a half for loss, and another one and a half sacks for him. And I know we say, you know, we, we like to spread the wealth around. We like to point out guys that have great games, even if, you know, statistically they weren't the leader. We like to give it out to um, to guys that have proved their mettle and showed how important they are to the team, which I think we've done this year. But there are just some instances where you can't ignore the statistical beast that Iggy Reynoso has been. So for his efforts in Week 10, he has been named our player of the game against Conestoga Valley, and it's kind of the uh, the, the mountaintop for him to finish uh, his regular season career at Wilson. And I think in the two years, he's been player of the game like six times or something like that. And like you've mentioned before. He probably could be every game. It's only six because we like to spread it around. Now, there are some games where other guys step up, and it you know it's clearly not that he has a bad game, not that Iggy has a bad game, but there are other guys who step up and have spectacular performances and that's not to say they don't normally but like man he just every every game there's something where you're just like wow when you watch him you know like whether it's 
running guys over on a punt return or whether it's, you know, just you think he's down and, you know, you talk about how sometimes you see the running back, the pile move. Now, not to say that the linemen aren't helping sometimes, but sometimes you see Iggy do it and there's three or four guys trying to take him down and he just keeps moving. He's just, you know, and and we've talked to the line too. It's fun to block for a guy like that because you know if you give him the blocks, he's gone. Yep. You know, like, so it, it's just, it's a lot of fun to watch him. Um, you know, everybody has great things to say about, you know, how hard he works and, and all that stuff. So it's good to see that pay off. And we're going to stick with the Reynoso theme here for a little bit. I mentioned it during the highlights and whatnot. But, uh, yeah, he set a few uh, milestones this year. Uh, while the team's been, been streaking, he's been uh, racking up yardage and touchdown. We already mentioned that he broke the record set by uh, David Gilmore for career touchdowns in general, not just rushing, uh, rushing, receiving returns. Right. He yeah. broke that, uh, what was it, three week, three weeks ago? Yeah, he did that. I forget when. Was it was. against? I'm trying to think of who was it. Penn Manor, maybe. Yeah, it was at home. Yeah, it was yeah. one of those games. Though, just a few weeks ago, he broke David Gilmore's record for career touchdowns, uh, regardless of how they were scored, uh, for Berks County. And then we saw in the highlights, and now here I got the pictures of him of Reynoso breaking Gilmore's rushing touchdown record, and then him breaking Nate Romig of Daniel Boone's Berks County career rushing record. All that happened in the span of two plays on Friday night. Uh, For his career, Iggy's up to 4,618 rushing yards, uh, which eclipsed Romig's 4,492, and obviously Iggy's got at least one game to go. And Iggy now has 65 career rushing touchdowns, and the old record was 64 by, by Gilmore. So... You know, I think um, overall, I want to say his touchdown record, he's extended it to like 73 because I think he had might have three receiving last year, three this year, and a a couple returns thrown in there. So he's in like the low to mid-70s overall for total touchdowns, also a Burks record. And, uh, you know, depending on how many games they play and how things shape up, he could potentially get to 5,000 career rushing yards yeah yeah we'll have to see you know we'll, we'll probably have an indication he's 382 short right now right so he needs he, two big games he needs two big games or one massive game <laughs> could you I imagine no i can't imagine a scenario only that only because that the pete gilmore in 1999 yeah but th- there's a lot that goes into this and some of the things we've talked about before but like last year we know he was sitting at 295 and what six touchdowns at halftime at halftime yeah you know I can't imagine him getting more than that right. in a like, half. Yeah, and right. I can't imagine him being in a game where he's getting those kinds of numbers. He'd have to break a lot of huge in. runs. You know what I mean? Like, Very yeah. So, um, yeah. So for the year, Iggy's at 200 carries for uh, just under 1,400 yards and 22 rushing touchdowns. He had uh, over 1,600 yards rushing last year, over 1,000 in 2015 at Hamburg, and over 500 as a freshman <laughs> at Hamburg in 2014. So, um, you know, all eyes will be on Iggy Friday night again. And, uh, yeah, you know who Red Lion is going to look to stop. Like, oh, absolutely. Know, and, because as we mentioned it before, they're going to put everybody up to stop him. Because if they don't, well, thank you. You know, that, that's basically well, yeah. how that's going to go. We'll, so. we'll take that six. Thank yeah. you very much. So, and it wasn't just Iggy no. making some noise Friday night. I've been hyping this up for a while now, and it finally happened. Coach Dom's the victory over Conestoga Valley was his 400th 
with the program. He won 264 games as an assistant coach with John Gursky, Jerry Slemmer, and Jim Contafio from 1976 to 2005. He won 136 now as head coach, the most recent being Friday night. And 400, I mean, that's that's impressive. It's insane. <laughs> so longevity and success all rolled into one. And when we, we talked to Coach Dumbs very briefly just to talk about this, and um, it's something that I genuinely think he's actually proud of. Because when does he ever accept the hype and praise that people give to him? almost never never. it it never happens and and he just was i think he was very thrilled to get to this milestone right and i think it it helps too that it was the end of the regular season and not that the season is over and he you know he obviously understands that and we do as well but it is kind of the close of a chapter you know so like there is some closure at this point and it's kind of like all right we're starting over again moving forward because i you know I feel like in the midst of things, you know, like if this, just for example, if this win were to have been sitting there and they have township the next week or something like that, like I could see him, you know, being like, yeah, whatever. We've, we've got a tough game next week. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, so I think just uh, the circumstances played to it. But yes, I think the massive number, 400 is an absurd number. That That's an absurd number. It's just how long you've been with one program, um, you know, whew. That's crazy. Well, I mean, it's his 42nd season with the team. Uh, it's his 12th as head coach. Uh, it's just it's just crazy to think that you can... I, I, I wish yeah. I knew more about not just Pennsylvania high school coaching records, but uh, nationwide coaching records. Like, how many people have been on a staff for that long? Right. I feel at, like it at, doesn't happen that and, often. And if you do it, how many are at a single school for that long? You know, like, lots of people... Not lots. I'm sure there, you know, some of those numbers from like, you know, some of those Colt region coaches that were there forever, you know, right. like, well, yeah, that, but there's a, there's a gentleman online that I follow on Twitter and by the name, I believe it's Josh Funk. Okay. He is kind of a Pennsylvania high school football historian or seems to be, um, I should reach out to him and see yeah. if he knows, um, not know, just, I know Mount Carmel has an insane yeah, number yeah. of wins. Um, well, they go back to the 1890s, don't right? They? Yeah, so I know That's you know 50 years you, before Wilson started. Right, you have some just insane numbers, but like that doesn't necessarily guarantee. I just I use Mount Carmel as an example because I know the program isn't just old; it's old and successful. You know, so like you know, you just have some of those crazy numbers. But like you said, that, that's a different scenario, and that doesn't mean there was one coach like. Even if it is, you're talking a small number at this point. I think more crazy to think about is that, and I'm disappointed this was off by one week because it would have been awesome yeah. to happen at the same time. But, you know, last week against Hempfield Wilson as a program won its 550th game. So now they're at 551. So that means there have only been 151 victories without Coach Doms on the sideline. Yeah. It's, it's crazy to think about. Um, and... Well, this wasn't during the interview. This is just with us talking with him and his family after the game. But he sounds um, very energetic and motivated to continue yeah. uh, coaching. And uh, yeah. hey, well, maybe uh, in a, a decade from now or less, as uh, he would hope, we're <laughs> yeah. talking about 500 victories. Yeah, we kind of threw that number out there jokingly. And we're like, hey, average 10 wins a year. And he kind of jokingly responded, if I only average 10, I probably won't last another 10 years. Which right. is, you know, it's obviously just kind of going back and forth. but. 
you know, we, we've talked about that in terms of the number of games that some of the seniors have played when we get through these, um, you know, absurd numbers. Some of them are playing five seasons worth. Right. Uh, you know, and you're, you're guaranteed in Wilson, the way Wilson does things, you're guaranteed 30 games. Right. You know, because, unless you're that, right, that unless, rare freshman. Right. So then you're guaranteed 40 and we get some kids that are north 60. of 50. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like, like that's absurd. I mean, think about it. Some of those kids playing close to 60 like, games. I think, I think when we talked about like Ike's numbers. Yeah. You talk like, about, I think that 2015 you hit, team. You hit some of those teams, you know, if you make a run as a freshman, whew, off to a good start. So. Yeah, well, it was, it was Dantzler, John Fox, Ike Schonauer. Uh Those guys came up in 2012. They were 12-2. Right. 2013, 12-1. 2014, 14-1. And, and then 2015, 10-2. So, you know, you add all that up. That's a lot of games. What was it? How many is that? 58? Yeah. Nearly 60 games yeah. in four years. Nuts. So they they played almost an additional two seasons over what they should have, and almost double what the average right would what your normal tenth, eleventh, twelfth grader would get to play, which is thirty. That's not it, it's it's crazy. It's crazy. So, but uh, congratulations again to Coach Doms, and um, here, hey, like I said, uh, here's to the next four hundred. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's get to these interviews now, and uh, let's see if I can find. Maybe we'll start with. Uh, well, it probably makes sense to uh, start with Coach Dom's victory uh, at Wilson High School. Um, yeah, what can you tell us about that experience? I mean, I we we might need a new phone with more storage to tell us everything, but you know, if you had to talk a little bit about what that experience has been like, what can you tell us? Well, I'm old. <laughs> I didn't want that to be the leading question, but I, <laughs> you hit it. You know what? It's been, it's been great. You know, the, I mean, I can pick out certain games that I remember, you know, some from the 70s, some from the 80s, some from the 90s, some from the 2000s, some from the teens, you know, and, you know, what can you say? I mean, you know, I've, I've been lucky to have a great staff, part of a great staff, you know, kids buy in, you know, that's, that's an attribute, that's an well, thank you. Um, we'll let you go since it's uh, getting a little cold. But uh, thank you. Congratulations on your 400th win, and uh, maybe we can make it 401 next week. All right. Thank you. Thank you. All right. So real quick, real easy. We just wanted to make sure we caught up with him after that huge milestone, and um, yeah, it's good time. Good time Friday night. Yeah, it, it was. It was uh, fun to see. Um, you know, and, and like you said, we we kind of been keeping an eye on that and, and knew kind of the circumstances around it, um, you know, and then a couple of weeks ago, we realized that could be the, the last game at home. It, it's cool that it was at home. Yeah. Um, so that, that was fun. Yeah, definitely. So now we're going to go back and talk about the other milestones uh, from Iggy, but we didn't talk with him. He was a very popular person post game. Yeah. As you saw in the one picture on the uh, player of the game, uh, 69 News was there pretty quickly to get a video interview with him. So we decided to talk to the coaches and uh, Justin caught up with his positional coach, uh, Jake Peterson, who uh, has a nifty little uh, nugget that he brought up during the week. And of course we couldn't let it go. So uh, Justin talked with Jake Peterson about Iggy and the Berks County career rushing record. Um, first of all, tonight was a historic night for Iggy. Um, 
What, what can you tell us about uh, Iggy's work ethic or his transition as he's come here to Wilson? I'll tell you, Iggy, Iggy uh, when he came here, it took him a little bit to learn the offense, but the, the thing that really stood out with him was he was constantly trying to learn, always had his ear, everyone could do, try to learn uh, the offense, and he obviously is extremely talented. So, uh, you know, once he understood the nuances of, of a read uh, when running the ball, you can really see him take off and, and uh, you know, had two great seasons here. Um, you know, a pleasure to work with. All right, thank you. Um, so, with, with the offense tonight, the offense uh, seemed to be clicking uh, fairly well. Um, you know, after, you know, playing some, some high quality teams the last few weeks, it's been, you know, tough to get things going at times. Um, what what did you guys work on to really, uh, or what did you want to see tonight? Um, and hopefully, what did you see tonight from the team? Yeah, we're, well, we're working on ways to, to get, uh, you know, the hands, the ball in the hands of our playmakers. So, um, you know, we have to come up with some creative ways. Teams have been stacking the box a lot lately, so uh, we got to find ways to, to get the ball out in space to those guys uh, to give them the ability to make plays. Um, you know, and the, and the line's been doing a great job. Um, you know, putting things together and, and getting those gaps for those kids to run through. So, um, you know, that was big focus is, is um, you know, finding ways to build things off of our base plays and, and get the ball out in space to, to a couple of our playmakers. So, All right, thank you. And one last quick one here, um, something uh, you and I have talked about already. Um, talk a little bit about uh, your unique connection to uh, this rushing record that uh, Iggy was able to obtain tonight. Yeah, so, um, you know, I, I played with the kid that, uh, Nate Romick, who, uh, Nate, Nate was a, a freshman when I was a senior at Daniel Boone. Uh, so, he was one of our running backs um, at, at Daniel Boone that year. Um, you know, I was, I was a quarterback at the time. Uh, so it's pretty cool. Nate's a Nate's a great guy, um, you know, and, and I know he's really happy to see his record beaten by a a, a kid like Iggy, who who um, you know has, has really earned it with uh, all the hard work he's put in. All right, thank you, Coach, for uh, giving us some time tonight. Uh, congratulations and good luck next week, whoever it may be. Yeah, thank you, thank you. All right, so that was our uh, second interview there with running backs coach Jake Peterson. Has that really cool connection, having played with the former record holder and now coaching the current record holder. And uh, hopefully, uh, should someone ever supplant Iggy, he's coaching them as well. Yeah, yeah, I'd be okay with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think we all would be okay <laughs> with that. So, uh, all right, we did have one more interview. I said we got the uh, trifecta after the win against Conestoga Valley. We got to catch up with a coach who we talked with in the preseason but haven't talked to after any of the games in September or October. So we thought it was time that we talked with Defensive coordinator Ernie Wolver. Look at that. Oh, you're already going. Does my hair look good? Yeah, yeah, you are. Okay, now we're post game with defensive coordinator Ernie Wolver. Oh, oh. That's kind of uh, mirrors last year where you uh, gave one to Tommy O'Brien at Conestoga Valley. So now you got the favor returned. You know what? I just remembered that. Thank you for reminding me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Coach. So I don't, we haven't talked to you since the preseason. So we've been through 10 games now. 
We're on to the second season, though. Don't know who's going to be the opponent, so we won't touch on any of that. Um, but just talk to us. What were the type of improvements you saw in these first ten games that your team played this year? Um, we're executing better. Uh, as, you know, we're about executing the defense, doing your job. I mean, that's our motto: do your job. Bill Belichick supposedly invented it, but I said it for you. Did. But um, <laughs> got a know, copyright. Doing, copyright. I know. I, I should. But no, we're um, we're in a position where we're starting to execute better. We're still making mistakes. Don't get me wrong. We're still young kids playing. We're still playing with you know two freshmen and you know four sophomores, and it's a progress. Uh, you know, but it's. We're getting better, and we're executing better. We're making less and less mistakes, which in turn is making us better. So the mistakes were in double digits in the first few weeks, and now we're down to making four or five mistakes a game. In this game, we're really going to make two big mistakes in coverages, and now we gave up a couple points, but the kids are getting better. It's been watched by many people in the community, also um, members like Redding Eagle, that Wilson is so strong over the years because there are senior members of the team that step up after having been unknowns as underclassmen. Uh, what's one or two of those guys that you feel have filled that role this season? Um, well, Sean McAndrews not playing last year. That's a huge force. Um, Sean didn't play a whole lot. He plays a soft play last year. That was out. I mean, offensive line-wise, you have Drake. I mean, that kid you know, worked his butt off and earned himself a spot playing this year. Um, defensively, um, Eddie, we, those guys go back. Eddie's in, and uh, Price isn't in. Wide inside, and Hatley, and actually, you know, I'll go Hunter Regal. Hunter Regal, we didn't talk a lot of defensively. He's been an outside linebacker, playing sometimes, not playing as much sometimes, but he's really stepped up and did a nice job for us. Absolutely. So um, you mentioned it a little at the first question, but the youth, on, especially on your defense, that we've seen. When we talked to you in August, was there anything in your mind that you thought at this point in the season you'd be playing so many 10th graders or, and even freshmen uh, on your defense? Yeah, we knew, well, we, well uh, Matt, Matty Fry was with us last year, so we expected him to step in and contribute a little bit. Um, but Troy Corson, we had no idea. Troy brought the 9th grader, hey, he'll play JV, get better, and hopefully help with the sophomore. We never expected to step in. Um, so, no, going into it, we thought we were solid at feedback. We wouldn't have to play a lot of guys. But unfortunately, a lot of injuries, nagging injuries. You know, we have had our, our secondary together for two games all year. That's it. So, and again, we're missing two guys tonight. So we're back this full strength Monday. Well, actually, three guys tonight. I'm sorry. Um, so we'll get back to full strength. But no, we didn't plan on it. But sometimes you got to, you know, do what you got to do. We, we don't know the uh, playoff opponent. We don't know if it'll be at home or not. And I'm not going to say which one do you want to play because I know you won't tell me that. But is there one that is a harder matchup of the potential uh, playoff uh, matchups that is, is tough for you? CD, CD East, uh, Red Lion, Dallas Town. Um, we're, you know, CD East would be a tough throw. They're throwing the ball a lot. They have a very, very athletic quarterback, left-hander. Reminds me of Newbauer from a few years ago. Um, I'd prefer to see a team that runs the ball because we're pretty good against the run. Mm -hmm. um, we're playing well. We're pretty big. We're physical up front. Um, I don't want to see a team that spreads it out and throws it all over the place. Uh, like tonight, they have a really good team. We're, we're going to have to stunt. We're going to do some different things defensively and coverage-wise to hold that. But I'd rather see a team that's that wants to run the football. You know, a run-heavy team. I'd rather see that in the playoffs. All right, last thing here, uh, Coach Dom's got his 400th victory tonight with oh, cool. the Wilson football program. Cool, that's it's awesome. 136th as a head coach. I know you've known him for a long time, having played for him and now coached with him. Um, what does Doug mean to this team? Um, Doug is our common force. Um, we get we get emotional about things. We get upset, and we don't fly off the handle, but he kind of goes, hold on, let's, let's take a step back. He just thinks things through a lot better than we do. Um, and we're learning a lot, like, you know, Years ago when I was here, I was, you know, you could see my emotions everywhere. And now he taught me how to actually motivate kids. He taught me how to keep my emotions under control. 
and he taught me a better leader. And that's what I'm trying to do to get the kids to be the best players. Now, kids, and one thing, the big thing he taught me was you, every kid lives by the same rules, but you got to treat every kid differently. As far as you're going to enforce rules differently, some kids really handle being yelled at and being scolded, where other kids you got to put your arm around them and pick them up and bring them along. And that's what he's really taught me to do, just to try to read kids as early as possible, and that's how you get the most out of them. All right. Anything else to add, Justin? Justin? No? All right. Well, thanks for joining us, Coach. Thank and, you. And uh, hopefully we can talk to you again next week. Hope so. Thank you. Take care. All right. So first time in a while we got to hear from Ernie Wolver, but I think it was a good one. A lot of uh, good insights and uh, talk about the potential matchups that we now know uh, what they're going to be for the playoffs. So I'm sure all of you are well aware that the District 368 power ratings were finalized yesterday and the brackets were officially unveiled today. And, uh, well, Wilson is making an appearance in the second season. And not only are they doing it, they actually jumped all the way up to third. Which we didn't even know was possible. We like, thought maybe four. There was an outside shot at four, and we ended up at three. Whew, yeah, that's it's, crazy. it's crazy. And, and, and Mike Drago on Twitter, or maybe it might have been Roberts, one of them, either Drago or Roberts, said that just two weeks ago, Wilson was ninth. In the power ratings. And, like, thinking, like, you can't let the hangover from Mannheim Township, you know, cost you at Hempfield or the season's over. You know, not season's over, but, like, there's no second season at that point. Well, you end up, man, you know, for all the talk, and and I know this is, there's two points to this. The first talk being, you know, I know Wilson, sometimes people are like, ah, well, the LL Section 1 is so weak. Well, Section 1 has the second, third, and fourth seed. Now, that being said... I am fully aware that the uh, the mid pen is it um, Commonwealth Commonwealth division this year yeah was loaded oh my gosh absolutely stacked. loaded you had a number well, of three teams here you had a number of really good teams and Harrisburg <laughs> like, and State College right <laughs> like he's oh not even gosh. in District Three is Bishop McDevitt Commonwealth or are they no not? they're not okay no, I didn't no. think so no CDE's but, had a crossover game okay, with them okay. at the end but no and they're five A and but they're not in the right. same division but no so man. it's it's uh, Cumberland Valley so Harrisburg won it at ten and zero um, I don't know how it shakes up next because I think both State College and Cumberland Valley were eight and two Harrisburg the five A number one seed right Mercy ruled. Easily, Cumberland Valley, the 6A. I would like uh, to see Harrisburg versus Pine Richland or Harrisburg versus uh, St. Joe's Prep. Like, I know that's a 5-6A crossover right. there. I but, agree. Because uh, I don't see anyone beating Harrisburg. Now, maybe, um, is it Archbishop Wood? Is that who they lost to last year? I think so. Yeah. Um, so, so, I mean, it'll be interesting. But We'll see, but it's tough. Man. It's tough to imagine anyone beating Harrisburg yeah. uh, and getting a return trip to the state final. But anyways, back in 6A. Uh, number one seed, Cumberland Valley, as expected over the last few weeks. Uh, their only losses were, well, they lost to Harrisburg this week, but that was kind of expected. And they did drop to game to the seven seed Central Dolphin, but that is one of their classics. That is a huge rivalry, and every year that game is uh, hugely important. And um, I believe that was, that was earlier in the season. It was like week five or yeah, something like yeah, that. So. Yeah, it was like the second or third week of league play. And uh, Central Dolphin actually ended up beating Cumberland Valley that night. But Cumberland Valley is your number one seed, and they get to play, take on fellow Midpen Commonwealth foe Central Dolphin East, who they beat earlier this year. 
Then the 4-5 matchup is Hempfield, who we just saw a few weeks ago. They finished 7-3, and three, earned the 4, a home game against Dallastown, who they previous played and beat earlier this season. Then on Wilson's side of the bracket, it is Mannheim Township, the 2, at 9-1, and one, with their only loss being to Governor Mifflin, taking on Central Dolphin, the 7-seed, 6-4 record. Dolphin actually lost to Township earlier this year as well. So yeah, another missing, rematch. Missing two 50-plus yard field goals towards the end to try and tie it up. So uh, this is a, this is a, probably the best game of the week, if I had to guess, would be this 2-7 yeah. matchup in Neffsville. Man, yeah, I'm Township against Central Dolphin. The 7 is Dolphin. definitely misleading. You know, yeah, like, well, these are all, I think all of these are right, misleading. Right, right. Uh, because like you said, the LL Section 1 got 2, 3, and 4, but... <laughs> Well, I feel like for each of these 6A, like 6A mid-pen teams, just take one loss off there because Harrisburg, like no one was going to beat them. No yeah. one. Like, literally no one. Well, no one has yet. So, right, right. You know, and I don't see a public school And they've been them. crushing people. Crushing right. they people. They haven't had a like, close game. Yeah, it's, it's insane. So, um, yeah, and, there, and then there's Wilson hosting Redline, the sixth seed out of uh, York. And, um, well, let's talk a little bit about... The Red Lion area Lions. Now, unfortunately, I'm without my stats book, and I don't have it online yet. So I don't know how many times Wilson has played Red Lion in the past. I believe it's at least four. Uh, I know of two for sure. But the Red Lion area Lions are coached by Jesse Shea. They're out of the York Adams Division One League. And um, we haven't played them, though, since 2005, actually. So Coach Dobbs hasn't played against them since he became head coach, it was actually the year before he took over. Wilson last played Red Lion, and it was down at Red Lion on September 2nd, 2005. Wilson came away with a 39-35 victory. It was a, um offensive slugfest, lots of points on the board, and some familiar names for the Bulldogs were on the field that night. Sophomore running back Jake Stopper carried 32 times for 222 yards and a score. Senior quarterback Eric Hetrick was 17 of 29 for 308 yards, five touchdowns, which I believe is tied for a school record with two interceptions. And junior wide receiver Josh Smith, who was just this year inducted into the Wilson Athletic Hall of Fame, caught six of Hetrick's passes for 135 yards and two touchdowns. Now, you just have to go back one more year to 2004. The last Red Lion win in the series was at Gursky on September 4th, and that was more of a defensive game as the Lions won that one 14-7. So what about Red Lion in 2017? So they went 8-2 and two in the York Adams Division I. Uh, slugging it out with Dallastown, Central York, and York William Penn. Central York was the on the outside looking in in 6A. They were the 9 seed. York William Penn is, I believe, the 5 seed in 5A yeah, and I will believe, go to Governor Mifflin yeah, on yeah. Friday night. So just quick shout out there. I know Mifflin will probably be favored in that one. Um, I would think so, Pretty yes. good. However, just a quick shout out to York. Went 1-9 in nine last yeah. year. And then and go 9 around and one. to go 9-1 this year. That's... Hey, congratulations. Like, that's awesome. That's good for 5A football. It's good for District 3 football when the cities, the city Harrisburg, schools. York, you know, McCaskey, McCaskey has its moments. Redding. And if Redding can get things going, you know, like, I know I like what they, 
they've been really working hard in Reading, you know, and McCaskey, I know they've got a coach in place now too, but it, it's just good for everyone if they can get those things involved. So shout out to York real quick in, in that uh, league. So. Yes, a very good job by them. They get to play Mifflin, and then whoever wins that game gets to play Harrisburg. Yeah, congratulations. So. Good luck with <laughs> good that. Good luck with that. Um, so um, also with Dallastown, so those four teams um, – a lot of good games this year between those four teams in the York Adams Division One. Uh, Red Lion got off to a fast start this year, winning their first seven games uh, at Waynesboro versus Daniel Boone. And then in week three, they got a a, a gimme. Uh, I believe it's one or two nothing, but that's because it wasn't played. Red Lion got a forfeit win because there were fights at Chambersburg School District the week of the game, and then uh, the day before or the morning of the home opener for Chambersburg against Redline, there was a threat of gun violence and that game had to be forfeit. So Redline actually only has played nine games on the field this season. Um, after that, they beat William Penn 31-14, to which I believe was their only loss this yeah. year. Redline then beat Northeastern and Southwestern at home, followed by a road victory at New Oxford. And then became the last three weeks of the season where Red Lions struggled a little bit, falling to Central York 24-21, beating Spring Grove 49-21, but they couldn't close out the season with a win, and that dropped them from a top-four seed to a bottom-four seed after losing to Dallastown, who left them for the five-seed. It was at Dallastown. They fell 40-27. to So Red Lion struggling here a little bit of late. Uh, but they uh, are an interesting team. Again, one we haven't seen in 12 years. They're led by um, a dual-headed offensive threat in senior quarterback Zach Thorne and senior running back Zachary Crossland. And they have an offense similar to Wilson, although I'd say they are more likely to let the quarterback run the ball than Wilson has been. Of course, we have Iggy, and it's tough for other teams to say the same. Uh, nothing against... Uh, Red Lions stable of running backs, but Iggy is um, you know one of the best that Wilson's had, and uh, Wilson's had a lot of good running backs. Right. Um, so why don't we actually, I, I have here the ability to pull up some highlights of one of Red Lions games, and you can kind of see what I'm talking about here. Let's see if I can do this. All right, so this is from their game, I think, against Spring Grove. So this is just in week nine, just a little bit ago, and you can check out some of their highlights. They're, they're in the red and white uniforms, and you can see a flea flicker. So uh, I'm sure uh, Coach Wolver will have the defense staying on their guys in the secondary with the ability for those trick plays. Here you're going to see what I'm talking about. Quarterback likes to pull the ball on the read option plays, and uh, he can make he some, can uh, run, make he some, can make some miss. people miss. Yeah. yeah, and you'll see more of that here. Again, uh, first-year starter as a senior, but man, he, uh, he has been electric. He's just outrunning people, too. Man. And we'll go over uh, his stats and his teammates' stats uh, as well. But uh, he's been quite the player for them, so he's very dangerous. Um, check out him. He's number one. He'll be at Gursky Friday night. And uh, he's, he's quite the player. And he, can't, he doesn't just do it with his legs. He can do it with his arm, too. Of course, he's going to get some help here by his receiver making a play. But... He's a dual 1,000-yard uh, player. He threw for over 1,000 yards so far this season. He's rushed for over 1,000 yards. From a quarterback, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, absolutely. And again, that was only in, well, so this is crazy to think about it. So they played nine games. You know, they got the forfeit right. win. But he only has 
passing stats for eight games because I think there may have been a game where he didn't throw the ball. Wow. Yeah. Uh, here's some defensive highlights for you. Um, I'm trying to see the number. Is it 11? I think based on my uh, research, number 11 seemed to be one of their better defensive players. Um, he's actually a junior, Elijah Workinger. 81 tackles, four for a loss, a sack, two interceptions, three like breakups, a, a forced fumble and a fumble recovery, and he's only a junior. Um, defensively, they're also led by a number 30 linebacker, Jamel Foster. 56 tackles. Six for loss, an interception, three breakups, and a punt block. And they also have a couple other uh, strong players to mention. And uh, let's close these highlights here. All right. Um, Let's see. Where are my stats? Uh, So, yeah, Zach Thorne, the quarterback, number one, and uh, running back, number three, Zachary Crossland. Those are their two big guys on offense. Uh, Thorns over a thousand yards passing and receiving. He hasn't thrown any interceptions. He has fourteen passing touchdowns. Super efficient. Nineteen rushing touchdowns. So thirty-three total and, touchdowns. And basically seventy percent completion percentage. Right. Yeah, just under seventy. And uh, Crossland, the main running back, only eighty carries, but over five hundred yards, six scores. He's also tied for the lead in receptions with sixteen, and he's a stud on defense too. Forty-three tackles, one and a half sacks, and an interception. The primary uh, wide, wide receiver, Denny Dennison, number seven, a senior, also 16 catches, 349 yards, and nearly half of his catches are touchdowns, seven touchdowns. Also be on the lookout for junior running back Tyler Ness, number four, and junior running back and defensive back Justin Dillon, number 27. He's got 41 tackles, two for loss, a sack, and three pass breakups. So Red Lion Getting it done, especially on offense, that quarterback is scary. Now, we've seen Wilson play other great quarterbacks this year. Um, Cameron Wolf against Mifflin. Um, TJ Purging against Springford. Uh, let's see, Grayson Klein against Warwick. Yeah. And then we saw them take on Himmelsbach against Hempfield. And Zaki Salesman, Lebanon. So, this isn't the first time Wilson's seeing a very good quarterback. Uh, and uh, they're going to be able to. They're going to need to stop him because he is the uh, heart and soul of that offense. All right, so that about covers it. That's the uh, preview of the game this coming Friday against Red Lion District Three Six A Quarterfinals. Should Wilson win that one, they will play the winner of the Manheim Township Central Dolphin game. Should the Rams upset the Blue Streaks, will and Wilson beat Red Lion? Wilson would actually host Central Dolphin the next week. Yeah, so... If Wilson wins and MT wins, Wilson will go back to <laughs> Neffsville the following week. Yeah, so either way, you're getting a rematch. Well, if Wilson wins, either way, you're getting a rematch in uh, the second in round the, of the In the semifinals. Playoffs. Right, so... But, like we said, a number of times, that doesn't matter if we don't take care of business this week. Yep. So it's all about Red Lion, Red Lion, Red Lion. That's right. So, uh, take care of business on Friday night at Gursky. It's nice to have that home game. We kind of thought that was an outside chance. So, to have that come uh, be a possibility is pretty awesome. It is awesome. Uh, so, um, I think that's pretty much everything here. Uh, make sure you like Wilson Bulldogs and the Bulldog Hour yes, fan pages like on share. Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. We uh, do the live game cast with uh, Justin Burke. He helps me out Friday nights doing the video. I'm taking the photos and updating Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. 
We get the post-game interviews. Hopefully, we're doing that this week because that means yeah, we more won. interviews means more wins. <laughs> uh, anything else to say about the uh, regular season or the start of the playoffs? No, I just I'm I'm proud of the way the guys uh, were able to kind of you know ride the roller coaster uh, at times this season and, and finish strong and hopefully uh, have a few more wins in them. So um, keep it going, guys. Absolutely for sure. So we hope you enjoyed this episode of the Bulldog Hour for Justin Raffoff and the Wilson Football Program. I'm Joe Mays, and remember. Go Bulldogs. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Bulldog Hour. Want more Wilson football? Follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud. Or visit www.bulldoghour.com. The Bulldog Hour is a feature program on jmnjrradio.com.